Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, it's Friday. How did that come about so fast? Friday and the day of the long-awaited Elton John gig uh, live at Parky Cueve tonight. And uh, Maureen has been doing a, a special preview for us. Let you hear that during the morning. Also going to play a song from Elton John that I think will be one of the highlights tonight. If there's a song actually from Elton John that you think you want to hear tonight, just let me know. If you're going to the gig, what particular song are you waiting for? I'll play the one I'm waiting for. Well, I'm waiting for loads, but I'll play the one I'm particularly waiting for a little bit later on this morning. There's a lot going on about um, romance fraud. Gardy think there's a particular gang behind a whole pile of rom- romance fraud in this country at the moment. Do you know what it is? What romance fraud is? It's people conning you out of money when you think you're getting into a relationship with them. Look at that later on. Uh, there's uh, one of our local mortgage experts, a guy who's a regular on the show, Joey Sheehan. He's been calling for 12-month mortgage approval by the banks. It's about time you say to people, look, yeah, we'll give you that mortgage. It's about time that that permission holds for 12 months. We'll catch up with Joey about that one a little bit later on. Plus plenty more. It being Friday, lots of Friday-type stuff, lots of entertainment-type stuff, lots of stuff to do over the weekend. New music for you to listen to as well. Um, a British band with a strong cork connection. I'll be talking to Tiger Hegarty at some stage later this morning. But first of all, Catherine, good morning to you. Good morning. What what happened, Catherine? It was in Dublin Airport. What happened? Well, my parents were on the return flight from Dusseldorf to Dublin and they had pre-booked um, the assistance, which is wheelchair assistance because they were elderly, 
which a lot of people do for other reasons. They either yeah. injured or something. But um, when they got to an airport, I mean, the, with the flight to Dusseldorf was fine, no problems, and getting to the plane in Dusseldorf was fine. When they got to Dublin, they were told that um, there were no, there was no assistance available. So um, they decided they would walk. So, of course, my mother, she's, they're both older. My father's 88, my mother's 86. And as they mm. mounted a rolling corridor, my father got on the corridor, then my mother got on the corridor after him. And then another female passenger came behind my mother and knocked her um, from behind with her suitcase under the leg. So she fell backwards, and but didn't stop which actually it's a civil duty in Germany and it's illegal. So you can be fined for that. So anyway, she just right. continued. Somebody did stop or alert the paramedics or somebody because my parents said that within a few minutes, the paramedics arrived. So, and she got good first aid treatment and she was collected at the airport by a family member and then went to Cork to a Cork medical facility for treatment. And she has a fractured arm it showed on x-ray crikey crikey is she alright well hopefully she'll be alright if you break bones at that age it doesn't happen that they heal so well so hopefully she won't have any disability afterwards so that's the Mm. other thing at at 86 and 88 they're great people to be travelling on their own Catherine brilliant They are. They've been doing. They've done it now. They've been doing it all their lives. But they, it's only in the last couple of years they've had to use assistance because they're very independent. So, um, so they're used to travelling, you know. So anyway, so anyway, it's happened. It's unfortunate, but hopefully, um, the Dublin Airport Health Authority and the airline will look at this so that it doesn't happen to another person. This is the thing, mm. you know. So yeah. and also, just, just, I'm, yeah. Hmm? Go, go ahead, sorry, sorry, you were saying something. Oh, I was going to say that most of the flights um, in Ireland seem to be going out of Dublin, and you know, and they're not using other airports like Shannon and Cork enough, you know. They have the airports yeah. there, so they, they could be putting um, flights out of those airports, you know, so that would be yeah. better for people, especially people that have to travel up from the country. So, so let me just recap, maybe for people who are just coming in on the conversation, Catherine. So your your parents are coming through Dublin Airport on their way back from Dusseldorf. There was no assistance available. So being independent, they decided to go off on their own and they went on to one of these moving floors. We've all we've been in the airport. We've all been on them. Yeah. And it, well, your, your, your mum got knocked from behind by someone's suitcases. That was it, yeah? Well, it was a, another female passenger mounted the the rolling corridor behind her and knocked her with her... And I think it was with her suitcase. I don't think the person's body hit her. I think it was the suitcase that hit her behind the legs and then she flew backwards. So Did, did this yeah. person even stop to say anything like that? No? no, they didn't stop. That was the thing. You know, Did they notice they'd done it, do you think? Yes, they did notice. Yeah, but they were obviously in a hurry. I don't know whether they were getting a connecting flight or maybe even just getting picked up or something. But anyway, so normally, but a civil duty for other people around would be that they would actually say, hey, you've just knocked somebody, you know, 
have yeah. a look, you know. I mean, it, that shouldn't happen, you know. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, and I'm sure that the DAA and the airline, they can look at CCC um, clips maybe and see who yeah. it was and even identify yeah. whoever it was. But the, anyway. The, the airport should um, be watching all that too, of course. Like, I mean, we, we look, we know they're very busy. We know Dublin Airport's having a horrendous time with this summer and they're short of staff and all of that. But they do have a an obligation to look after people with access after. needs. I, I'm amazed there was no access available. That's just not good enough. Like, Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, the, and the airline, before she, they left the, air, or the aircraft, the crew on board should have actually made sure because they booked that pre-assistance with their ticket. So the airline oh. do have a responsibility too. So the ticket, the, the crew should have made sure that the assistance. So let me just check this with there. you, Catherine. Had the assistance from, they had booked assistance from the they plane to the assistance. terminal building and through, but that wasn't there when they got there, no? Exactly, it wasn't there when they got there. Yeah, yeah. So they booked it, and I know I have a friend who who has a number of mobility issues, and and when she travels, like there's a bit of work involved in getting yourself organised. They'd done all that. Yeah. Wow, and that, that yeah, thing just yeah. wasn't there. Yeah, they yeah they had done it, and that's why they thought it was safe to travel. But now we have to look at the the future. Well, if my mother's arm heals well and she doesn't end up with any disability with it, then to see, you know, is it safe to travel with assistance at all? You know, or whether just a family member actually then have to fa- travel with them? Because obviously you can't rely on the airport authority and the the airline to carry out their duties. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's just yeah, crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I'm even I'm shocked. Yeah, that well, they hopes, booked it. Yeah, through, I know. Like, well, they booked it and it didn't happen. And I mean, I hope that for other passengers that this will not happen in the future. You know, and even yeah. if they are busy at the airport, that's you know. They oh have no, that's to plan. that's no. That should be no fallback. Because exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of your of your parents, like, and I said to you earlier on, like eighty six and eighty eight. That's a great age to be so independent and travelling so frequently. It'd be awful if they had to to give that up because they couldn't rely on the on the help they need being there. Like that was that's not good enough in 2022. No, it's not, but it happens. So yeah, yeah. So and I hope that it doesn't put them off travelling because you know they've they've had a, a fun time travelling and a good time. You know, so yeah, yeah. So, All right. Okay. Well, please give them our, our personal regards, and I hope that everything heals up well for your mom. My own mom's yeah, in, her, I, in, her, in her in her early eighties, <laughs> so I, I can imagine what this must be like. If 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 it's so worrying a time for you and everybody else, apart from them themselves, yeah. you know. Yeah, but it also just upsets your whole daily routine because you're you're not independent anymore. You know that's yes. the thing. You have to rely on somebody else, which isn't you know great. You know, and then yeah. even just going for her daily walk, you won't be able to go walking on her own now because her balance will be different at that age. If you have a fractured arm and have it in a sling, so. That's right. Yeah, it's not... These are all things um, we don't think of. You're so right. I know. Even just going up and down the stairs in the house alone, you know, she can't do that anymore. So her independence now is restricted. Her lifestyle is restricted until this is resolved. So, so, and I hope that it doesn't happen to another person, you know, so let's see. Have you contacted DAA to see what they have to say for themselves now? We have contacted the DAA and the airline, yeah. So okay. we'll see what they have come no back with. No response so far, no? 
Well, they have responded that they they have that they've received the message and they will look into it. So let's see what happens. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, Catherine. Yeah. As I said, please convey our best wishes to to your mom and dad. Thanks for being with me on the opinion line this morning. Now. I only mentioned this uh, in the last couple of weeks as we were watching the, um, the what you may call it, the cost of living going through the roof on various different levels and, and how difficult it was becoming for people. And I mentioned that, do you know, in previous years when the kids were small, what used to really worry us, and I mean worry us, you know, was back to school. It was an absolute beast to try to deal with. And August, whatever about July, but August particularly when the kids were going back in September, was a real nightmare of a month. And you'd start trying to do a bit of a manage as far back as May or April or May or June. Try to have a couple of quid there because you know that no matter how well you have it planned, it's going to hit you. Uh, and you come to the end of August and there's more August there than there is money to get through it. That's just a fact. <clears throat> and that was years ago. <clears throat> and that was for us. I beg your pardon. I'm still a small frog in my throat here. Dunnock Olera of Sinn Féin, you're the education spokesman. Dunnock, you, you've called, and given the, the, the severe state of the cost of living at the moment, you've called for help for families in that very situation. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, look, I mean, the cost of living crisis is... Uh, is really adding to this enormously. Back to school, as you've alluded to, like for a long time, it's been a huge burden on families and low and middle income families right across the board. Um, about one in five, according to the Irish League Credit Unions, about one in five parents last year got into debts of over 500 euros. So people yeah. borrow, people find themselves under pressure uh, and people have to make hard decisions. I was speaking to a parent there during the week with bills of 1,700 euro uh, that they were looking at. About 500 of that was voluntary contributions. So that's you know, with three kids in school, it can amount up to that, and uh, it can potentially get to even more than that between uniforms and books and these voluntary, these so-called voluntary contributions. So, we do believe that parents need help. So, we brought forward a package there yesterday, and I suppose the government's talking about that they are waiting until the budget before they do anything. Like for this issue in particular, that isn't good enough. You know, parents will have taken the hit. Parents will have um, taken hard decisions. Will have foregone something else just to pay for these bills so we're proposing I suppose a number of things but our two major proposals are around the back to education allowance which um, uh, about, about a quarter of a million people get at the minute right but but there are income limits so what we're proposing to do is we want to open it up to middle income earners we want to open up to people uh, to target it at people with a household income of a combined household income of 80,000 euro or less but what we also want to do is to double it for people who are already getting it, those who need the right. most help, get the most help. But the vast bulk of people, about three quarters of children will be entitled to back to education allowance. Right. So how, how much is it worth at the moment, Donoghue? At the main rate, it is €160 Euro for a primary school child age 4 to 11. I mean, it's the age base, but I mean, typically primary school age. And then 285 for those from uh, from 12 up, which is it's just secondary school kids. Obviously, the, the costs are more significant there. And then I suppose what we'd be proposing is by increasing it for 50% would be 240 for primary and 420 for secondary. So, um, look, as I say... 
you know, there are other issues that we need to tackle, but I definitely believe that parents need a bit of extra assistance and that middle income yeah. need, parents need assistance as well, because at the minute they're not entitled to this, they don't get any assistance, but they're still getting the letters in the doors. And the letters are coming mm. in, you're right, like I mean, I suppose this becomes more severe in August. We wanted to bring it forward now because we want sure. to debate it in the Dáil um, before the Dáil closes. We're debating it next week in the Dáil. We're bringing forward a motion on it. Um, but um, we're already seeing the letters come in from the schools with the book list, with the uniform list and sure, the request sure. for voluntary contributions, you know. The Minister for Public Expenditure, um, your constituency colleague, Michael McGrath, was on uh, National Radio this morning talking about the budget date and maybe it might get moved forward by two weeks. Maybe not. They haven't made a decision just yet. But the government seems very determined, Dunlach, to stick with its guns that we will address things, but we will address them on budget day. Your response? I think there's a bit of stubbornness to that, to be honest. I think they've dug their heels in in relation to it. Um, they feel that giving in to or that providing some kind of a, a mini budget to give people relief in the here and the now um, would be a concession to the opposition. I think that's that's stubborn. I think that's um, I, I think it's foolish, really, to be honest. It's, it's ignorant. You think of, they're playing politics? The reality that people. I, I think a little bit, yes. Um, like this thing of moving it forward a few weeks isn't going to make a huge bit of difference uh, to people. Like you would have always needed your big annual budget. Every year you need your budget that outlines the shape of all the public services and all the departments and creates a, a budgetary plan for that. We weren't we weren't disputing that at all. Um, it's this isn't a substitute to moving forward a few weeks. We wanted some elements okay. of relief in the here and now. We were talking about the tax credit for renters, but this stuff as well, and it was included in okay. our in our in our mini budget. Uh, and, and that's your hope that parents, something can get done before the doll rises for the summer recess, and you're going to raise it next week. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, just finally, PJ, like, Go ahead. If I might say, PJ, just finally, like, look, you know, that budget isn't going to be any good to people who are spending €1,500 over the summer months. Something needs to happen for them now. Yeah. And they... Okay. Fair point. Fair, fair point. I, I think a lot of people will agree with you because I know straight away people are already starting to message us and have been messaging us. Thanks, Donica. Donica O'Leary, Sinn Féin TD for Cork South Central. Has, people have been messaging us both to the radio station and to our individual a message. I've had loads of people send to me, PJ, will you talk about back to school? You remember it when your kids were small. I remember it being painfully expensive in the good days when, when you know, things were, things were good. We, we, everyone had work and the cost of living wasn't as high as it is now. And I remember the back to school being hard then. I just cannot imagine what it must be like to have, an, in my case, it would have been two the same age, but what it must be like nowadays. Is anybody really struggling? Uh, let me know. How are you planning for August? Because you, you can't even do a manage on days like this, in, in, in times like this. You can't do a manage. The price of petrol alone is, is crippling people, let alone anything else. Now, here's a man who helps out with as many people as he possibly can every single year and no doubt you'll be doing it again this year joe Byrne, good morning good morning pj my friend how are you good you 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 know what i'm talking about with the people that that you help in 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 august every year um and you're you're launching another collection i am pj and you know i thought i was doing a bit here the people private individuals actually got on to me this year which is a first in in so many that private households and things joe you don't know me, but know about you. Are you doing anything for the schools this year? And I said, I am, of course. So already I've started getting donations in, and it's up and running. Um, yeah, PJ, I'd say last year was an amazing, amazing success. But I'd say this year there's going to be far more 
calling me and looking for help, absolutely. Yeah, what I'm kind of things are you looking for? School bags, pencil cases, anything to do with going back to school, even vouchers for done stores to get uniforms, anything at all. I have a 500 euro um, gone into the book station in Douglas at the moment, PJ, who are absolutely amazing. The staff are always collecting stuff for us. But um, someone donated me 500 euros. I dropped it in there, and they're collecting stuff for me now. And some people just go in there and said, would you leave that for Joe, the hairdresser? He's collecting for school. So stuff like that. So anything at all, PJ, anything at all. I know what it's like myself to go to school um, years ago without. And it's very hard. And, you know, kids can be hard on kids. So, like, I don't want any kids going to school um, struggling, um, being embarrassed not having enough for their education because it's so important. So, yeah, we're out there. We're doing it this year and we're hopefully doing yeah. it on a bigger scale. Now, you'll be mostly giving the donations, to, I think, to, as you always do, to the kids connected to Adele House and kids connected Adele to House. Penny Dinners. Coolly, Penny Dinners. But last year, way beyond that, I had people ringing me from from all parts of life, from different parts of the city, so any chance you'd have a school bag for a 13 or 14-year-old girl or two boys age four, things like that. Anything at all we'll take. And if you'd like a little shop outside in the sun, and at some stages, and even they'd come out and I'd say, what do you need? And we're able to give it out. A um, lot more, a lot more, PJ. And what I'm going to do this year too is a back-to-school haircuts. Hopefully, just maybe a week or two before they get back to school, open the salon on a Monday, and anybody that wants haircuts will do haircuts free for the pay. The girls are coming in that time. I'm not... Not at all, no, this is an easy thing for me to do. And we have to help each other because we're not going to get it anywhere else. What's the point of right. doing a budget, budget after the school times? You know what I mean? That's putting what? The cat before the horse or the horse before the cat or whatever you call it? Closing now, the door after help. the horse is well bolted. Yeah. Help now, PJ, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Joe. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you very much. That's Joe Bourne, Joe the hairdresser from uh, Joseph's on Glasheen Road. He uses the salon as a collection point. So if you can help with bags or copies or pens or pencils or folders or vouchers for uniforms. I'm going to throw this one out there right now in advance. And if I hear in September time, if I hear about kids being sent home with the wrong shoes or the wrong bag or the little trousers is worn and I swear I I will have no mercy on schools who do that this September. I know that rules is rules. I know that standards are standards. But I'll have absolutely no sympathy for any school that starts that crack in September time. So take it, you have been warned. You have absolutely been warned. 0818969696, the a text to WhatsApp, 0833969696. If you want to send us a voice message or anything that's uh, bothering you, you can do it that way too, 0833969696. Now, if you get a mortgage, if you get approval for a mortgage these days, you've got about six months to use it or lose it, as it were. And you get more, to get mortgage approved, the day you get that call, that's a big success. You, you, we've been approved for a mortgage. That's fantastic. We can now go about buying a house. But if you don't use it or lose it, Joey Sheehan, you're calling for an extension to 12 months. Joey, is it six months and then use it or lose it? Joey, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, so at the moment, um, if you apply for a mortgage, the process is taking, depending on the bank, it could take a couple of weeks to get approval, but it could take up to a month or even two months with some banks. So yeah. that, that takes a lot of time. Obviously, the banks are busy. They're dealing with applications. They take time to process. 
Um, and then when you when you do get the good news, hopefully, uh, that mortgage approval will last for six months. Right. Uh, now, it's important you have your approval because, number one, you want to know how much you can afford to buy a house for and, and you need to know, you know, can I actually get approved for this? So for your own, your own um, interest, you want it. Also, auctioneers will want you to prove that you're approved because they don't want to be wasting time, which is fair enough, showing properties to people that might never get mortgage approval. So a lot of them will look for proof of approval before they'll even show you a property. Yeah. So let's say you get your approval six months down the line, you haven't found a house, which is commonplace now because of the shortage of supply of property. And then uh, you need to get it reapproved so that you can continue going, you know, viewing houses and bidding. Mm. So, but you have to send the bulk of the paperwork in again a second time. So some oh, banks require le- less than others. So what this is doing is it's just causing hassle for for the the buyer, uh, the home buyer who's, who's you know probably stressed enough trying to find out, and then just doing a second layer of, of paperwork and possibly yeah. a third layer if they haven't found the property again. But also on the bank side, they need to process all of this additional documentation a second time and possibly a third time. Whereas if the bank had a 12-month approval, then you'd be cutting out the second one at least. Hmm. So that would free up the bank's resources. So let's say the and, bank... And Joey, a quick one. Who decided on, on six months? I mean, is it, is it a rule or is it just something they did arbitrarily? It's just it's just the norm of the industry. Now, prior to, to the pandemic, um, AIB and Haven Mortgages had, had a 12-month um, uh, approval, which, so they had this, what, what, what I'm calling for now, um, where, where you, your mortgage approval will last for 12 months. But I think possibly due to the pandemic, I'm, I'm speculating now that they, they brought that back to six months. So banks yeah. have done this in the past. So it, It's not something you need central bank approval for or something, is it, no? Not that I'm aware of. But the other thing, PJ, is that there's, there's no risk to the bank because when you go say agreed, you have to get a loan offer issued. So prior to the loan offer being issued, banks will generally look for updated income documents and, and bank statements to confirm that your circumstances are unchanged. So right. l- let's say if they issue it for, for, for 12 months, whether it's six months or 12 months, they look for assurances around your, your employment and your income and, and your bank performance before loan offer in any case. So let's say if you, if you had lost your job in, in the meantime, the bank weren't willing to lend at that point, they're going to d- uncover that either way, whether it's six months or 12 months. Yeah. You've been saying as well... Joey, that you know, that you think the present shortage of housing is not going to end anytime soon. Well, I think you know, if you listen to commentators in the media, um, you know, the price of building is very high, um, and you know, there are more planning permissions going in. But are these houses going to come to the market? And if they are, when are they going to come? I know that the cost of building apartments is probably exorbitant unless you have some fun building a block of student apartments or something like that but um, the, the, the supply does not seem to be changing in the short to medium term so mm. um, you know no, I think that the, the uh, supply of second hand properties has increased slightly uh, in the Cork region in the last couple of months uh, what's available on DAFT so I think there was about roughly 3,000 properties available for sale at any given time and yeah. that dropped down to around 1500 some months back and it's tipping back up towards about I think 1800 at the moment so maybe people who are thinking about selling properties because prices are pretty much an all time high maybe some of them are starting to just you know say well now is the time to let it go so they're starting to put properties on the market which will help uh, buyers on the other side 
there's no danger. I'm sure I've asked you this before, and at the time you didn't see it happening. I wonder, do you see it happening now? There's no danger here, Joey, with prices gone so high now that we're going to head for another burst like we had in 2008. Is that, I mean, that's the stuff of nightmares. No, absolutely not. Um, when the when the property went bust, um, what's it, 10, 15 years ago now, PJ, um, prices were overly inflated. There was 100% mortgages. People were borrowing five, six, seven times their income. Um, there was development finance all over the place. This time, since the, the last crash, in fairness to the, the, the government and to the central bank and to the banks, we learned our lessons. And while, let's say, the three and a half times income multiple for people borrowing is very restrictive, particularly for people on lower uh, level income, I think it'll bear fruit now when things get get a bit tougher. And every mortgage at three and a half times income, I believe, is sustainable, even with rates rising by you know, up to one, sure. possibly even two percent. So I, I mm. can't see. I can see a leveling off of property prices, which I think would be good for for the, yes, the market. Yes, but we don't but want I, another I crash see, like we had no, back then. I can't. I can't see it. All right, listen, that's good to know. That's good to know. That's Joey Sheehan, the mortgage coach. Thank you, Joey. Also, the surveyors, the chartered surveyors, they have an institute. Or everyone's got an institute of some kind. They've been saying as well that because there's such a shortage now compared to where they were in 2008 there was too many houses in the market they use posh words like surface but that's kind of what it means um they don't see it happening they don't see it happening but you know what i i'd still say i still say never say never i i i've great respect for joey's knowledge of the market it's phenomenal and i think he's right but you know what 2008 taught us is that nothing's impossible and that never say never to anything but that's a, I think that's a great idea that you get 12 months approval because I didn't realise that after the six months you had to go right back and do all that big mountain of paperwork again. Sweet God. Oh, when I think back to when we got our mortgages sorted, I got a mortgage in t- uh, the 90s and I got another one in 2004. When I think back now, uh, how relatively easy it was for us then compared to now and the flipping headache we thought it was. I, I would not hate to be I hate to be in that position. Just a couple of things coming in on back to school. I buy the uniforms at Easter, says this message. It takes the pressure off, yeah. There's a book rental in the national school my daughter attends. I paid for that two weeks ago, sixty euro. She's going into senior infants in September. Yesterday, I bought. I spent over a hundred euro on schoolbooks.ie for stuff not covered under the school rental. That's before uniform or shoes. We're the lucky ones. Uh, my husband and I are both working. And as you know about shoes for high babies or senior infants, you know this caller. Their their feet practically grow every time they eat. So you, can, <laughs> I'm serious. So you can go through three pairs of shoes in a year. Do you know? I just, I, I swear to God, if I, and I'm saying this now, and I'm saying this on the 1st of July, so so bear with me. If I hear of any school acting the mick with kids and families in September about they not being able to afford bags or jumpers or shoes or any of that old nonsense, um, they'll, they'll get the full strength of the PJ's wrath. I don't mind telling you. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Some stuff coming in on the cost of schooling, are going back to school, and uh, some response to Joey and the mortgages. But let's move on for now. You know about the heel test? You know when you have a new baby 
uh, you get the heel test. And it's just a little tiny prick of a needle at the, the heel and they take a tiny sample. And they search for things like cystic fibrosis, an awful disease called PKU. And something I'd never heard of until I went looking this up, a thing called maple syrup disease, whatever the hell that is. It searched for, for nine different diseases. Uh, or for the, if you like, the markers, as they called them in genetics, for nine different diseases. And you might think, okay, that's very good, and nearly all children have it. In fact, most children have it. But would you, how would you believe if I told you that in Italy they search for 40, 40 different conditions, and the average across Europe is 20? We search for nine. Vicky McGrath is CEO of Rare Diseases Ireland. Why is that, Vicky? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning to you. Uh, why is that? Well, that's that's the million dollar question, I guess. Um, I think we just, I and mean, we were a leader when we introduced uh, newborn screening, as we, as we commonly call it, or the heel prick test in, in the late 60s. We were one of the first countries in the world to do it. And we just took our eye off the ball. We didn't hmm. resource it and we didn't keep up to date. And here we are, uh, you know, back or in 2022. And uh, yeah, we're, we're well behind the curve, well down the league tables, unfortunately. Now, let me just give my impression of how I think it works. And then you'll correct me if I'm wrong. So baby's born, tiny test is taken, goes off to the lab, goes through s- several scans for genetic markers, comes back with a result. And then if the child has a likelihood of something like cystic fibrosis, then the children or the parents are notified. That's that's how it works, yeah? That is essentially it, absolutely. And then it's at that stage that uh, a, a complete diagnostic process will be entered into. Uh, right. So this is just screening thing. Yeah, there's a high... Uh, probability that there's something here but we need to actually go and do proper testing now so a bit a little bit like the cervical screening which we're all way too familiar with now yeah. it's just screening it's not actually saying yes definitively uh, but uh, yeah that's that's essentially the process yet yeah. so they take that blood sample between three to five days is typically where it is uh, or when, when it has taken uh, sometimes it can be earlier in the hospitals and stuff like yeah. that but that's typically and then send it off to the lab and you'll hear back if there's a question, you don't generally hear back if there's no, uh, you know, if everything's I negative see. and all looks fine. Yeah. And is it done with everyone, Vicky, or is it just done in families where there's a, a history or a tendency towards genetically transferred disease? Well, it's, it is a test that is offered to everybody. And in Ireland, um, we, we tend to be quite conformist in, in many ways. And uh, most people do avail of the test. And um, we in Rare Diseases Ireland would definitely recommend that everybody should avail of the test because you just never know. You have, mm. you know, you just don't know what's going on, I guess. You have this beautiful newborn baby and, you know, maybe there's just something that you're just unaware of, that there is a family history that you have no clue of, that it was, you know, the second cousin once removed kind of thing, that there's just yeah. something there and... Things can happen, uh, you know, um, I, I guess it, it takes two to make a baby and you just don't know how when those two uh, pieces of DNA mix is something going to uh, go mm. a little bit awry. Uh, and that's what this is catching. And Vicky, just when something isn't scanned for and therefore a marker isn't found, what difference can that make down the line for, for a family affected by a rare disease? 
Um, unfortunately, it can be devastating, to, uh, to, be, to put it bluntly. Um, so, so essentially, you know, when you're talking about rare diseases, you're talking about something that, that uh, you know, there's about 6,000 plus different rare diseases. Uh, you might be one in, uh, well, one in 2,000 is the definition for a rare disease, but many rare diseases might be one in 100,000, one in a million. So you're talking about ultra rare things that really many doctors have never, ever seen in their life and may only see two or three of them in their life and therefore if you can catch it in the newborn screening you'll get an early diagnosis and then maybe right. early intervention and early treatment yeah. and stuff like that so it's trying would to there be some conditions like Vicky, sorry to cut across you w- would there be some conditions that would not show themselves in any way in say a small baby but might develop a couple of years down the line with devastating consequences that you might spot with a more advanced heel test that's that's precisely that's the precisely the way it goes. So I guess um, I mean, one of the uh, big advocates for for uh, newborn screening in Ireland, a, a gentleman called Les Martin, and his uh, son had a condition called uh, MLD, multiple leukocyte dystrophy, and the child was progressing perfectly well. His son was progressing perfectly well, and at about two and a half, started to go backwards, and sadly passed away uh, last year, last year the year before. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, his his second son then was caught very early because we now oh there's something going on in this family we need to test this child as well and got on to a, a clinical trial into a gene therapy and and is doing really well and is running into school in the mornings well he's probably on school, uh, summer holidays today I mm. I hope um uh, the, you know so this is this is what happens last year we had approval of what is known as a, a drug called Zolgensma for uh, spinal muscular atrophy so when a baby when a newborn is is born when a baby is born you don't expect their muscles you know they they need to be carried and held very carefully because they don't have muscle strength and stuff like that and yes. then at six months and at nine months the public health nurse takes a look and starts prodding and poking and it's at that stage that you start to realize mm, this baby's still a bit too floppy those muscles I aren't gotcha. quite developing and maybe gotcha. it's something like sma and so if you can get it at birth uh, this new therapy uh, gene therapy can be administered within weeks of birth and uh, the child will grow up normally, so they're replacing a gene. So I guess medicine is moving forward so quickly. Yeah. The new therapies that are coming online, um, you know, demand now that we, uh, I guess, increase the amount of newborn screening that we do because these therapies, which are life changers, which are curative essentially, are best provided before e- symptoms even, yeah. or before there's even symptom I, onset. I was, I was just going to ask you that actually, and you've answered the question for me. So that if the mar- if we were testing for more markers, there are conditions that we could tackle in advance, as it were. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. So um, in May, uh, the ninth condition was added to the newborn screening panel, and that was a condition called ADA skid. So that's where your immune system isn't working properly. And so a baby is born and appears to be perfectly healthy and then gets exposed to somebody with a cold or, or whatever it is at three months and goes rapidly downhill because the child doesn't have an immune system. But you wouldn't know that because everything was fine. The baby was, you know, clean and tidy and all of those things. And yeah. and that can be devastating. Again, it can, it can be a killer. But actually, they can get in now and do a bone marrow transplant and, and get that immune system, kick it into gear and get it working mm. again. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so it's, absolutely. It's amazing when you tell me, because I wasn't aware, we were the first to do it. And now... 
we're behind the curve with the rest of Europe. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Vicky, thank you very much. Vicky McGrath, CEO of Rare Diseases Ireland. Remember, we started this heel prick test. This is the, I didn't know that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. We started this heel prick test. We were the first to do it. And now we are the laggards in, in Europe. In Italy, they test for 40 different things. Across Europe, the average is 20. We do nine. And just see what Vicky said there. There's stuff that only kicks in, as it were, a few months or a few years into a child's life. But if that flag is found in the early little heel test, the outcomes can be so much different. They need that test. That, that's, that's, that's sad to hear. We only, have a, we only have about four, according to the HSE, we only have about four consultant geneticists who are the kind of people who do this work. We only have about four of them in the country, which, which leads, to, um, leads to, to, to delays. UCC is hosting a free festival next week for adults to engage in nature, various elements of nature, including photography and technology and well-being. I think the kids are way ahead of us with regards to nature, embracing nature. Uh, Paul Holloway's a lecturer at UCC's Department of Geography. Is that a part of the reason for this, Paul? Good morning. Morning, morning, PJ. Yeah, is, that, is, um, it, is it that the kids are so far ahead of us adults now in embracing nature, we need to catch up a bit? I'd say that's certainly uh, certainly a thing. I think we're beginning to beginning to notice the changes around us and being able to take stock and identify what's around and, and immerse ourselves more in nature, particularly as particularly as adults. So I think we're beginning to notice that a lot more, especially over the last couple of years. Mm. What kind of things will be happening on the seventh of July? So yeah, so we're um, we're a team of researchers. Um, there's about four or five of us that have been organising a citizen science project over the last eighteen months, and we've been developing a range of different technological uh, nature and well-being exercises and, and training materials behind the scenes with a with a much smaller group of of participants. And the idea behind the festival next week is to really go go live with a lot of these um, aspects as well. So provide people with the training to say okay brilliant i can learn how to take a, a photo of a different plant or a different bird and how that might help improve my identification skills associated with with what i'm looking at so kind of being able to understand what birds we're looking at um or what plants we're looking at as opposed to just walking past them or looking out to them in our garden and so yeah. we're going to have a range of kind of different stations at this at this festival so uh, a guided a couple of guided tours around ucc and, and the lovely campus that we've got there kind of highlighting the different bird species animal species and plant species we have there um and and immersing ourselves in in the, the very nice green spaces we have there, but also looking at different demos of how to how to use technology to engage with nature, ranging from very simple aspects of how to engage with, say, nature videos or nature sounds on websites and how to upload videos to the more intermediate activities of actually how to take photos and, and how to capture images right. and sounds using more advanced well, – different technologies such Te as cameras teaching as well as the adults Paul what the kids are already doing mate which it sounds sounds like a great idea now you what well, part of your own particular work is um researching if I'm reading this correctly from 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 your bio is you research the connection between the availability of green spaces and our mental health 
and there's a very mm-hmm. solid connection. There's a there's a very solid collection uh, connection. Sorry, yeah, and um, we we see a lot of that. Um, and throughout the last eighteen months working on this, we've a lot of our participants, a lot of the people that have that engaged in, in oftentimes quite simple exercises, have reported an an uptick in their well being. Um, and a lot of people have said, right, we're, we're seeing nature more than just noticing nature. And that fe- that positive feeling when they've returned home from a from a walk to the shops or a walk around the park or even just going out into their garden or looking out the window, I think that's a clear element of actually, yes, that being in nature and immersing ourselves in these green spaces. Mm-hmm. And we've got some excellent ones um, within the city in Cork and, uh, and the surrounding areas has, has really supported people particularly over the last few years which which again has been mm. been quite tough particularly in terms of being able to get out and, and and move large distances so again being able to notice what's on our doorsteps and what's yeah. what's within our city and, and and on our usual walks and all of that so yeah that's been i'll be talking more about that actually later this morning about the, the need for more green spaces in the city but definitely mm. the research is there and i'll be able to quote you on that thank you paul just if anyone wants to get involved in the the uh, the, the festival next weekend nature how do they do it and is it free it's free it's completely free um so it's going to be held on the north mall campus um between 12 and 3 on thursday the 7th of july we have an eventbrite page which is set up on our website i can i can send you all the details to that so that your listeners can um go and, and register but again there's no there's no formal cost there's there's no real need to register we just want to manage numbers so we mm. can we can plan accordingly but no yeah just 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 show up we'll have we'll have different signage when we get to campus to right. direct people to where we're going to be and yeah just show up and and get involved and, and lastly and briefly this sounds like something you could do in any given season of the year let alone summertime do you have plans that way that that's that's exactly spot on there, PJ. The 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 project is very much looking at phenology, which is the seasonality of nature. So we've been running workshops and activities summer, autumn, winter, and and spring. So because of the restrictions, this is the first in-person festival that we're having. But we've developed training and and activities Great. throughout the season. So no, we'll certainly be running another one in September um, to coincide with with the autumn, Great. and then hopefully, yeah. All our, all our materials will be available for people to continue in their, in their own time if they find it interesting as well. Excellent. Thank you for that. And thank you for being with me this morning on The Opinion Line. Paul Holloway, lecturer at the UCC Department of Geography. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. You're now talking to nature. I just got given out to, let's, I got given out to like nobody else this just there I went out to the kitchen from Studio 1.5 to make a coffee for myself as you do and there was this little squeal outside the back door where it has been raining here in Douglas for the last while and there's my little black cat Holly and she like a wet mop outside you wouldn't the language out of her I swear if you could translate cat to English I'd just have been effed from a height so I would <laughs> speaking of nature 0818 96 96 96 
96 the email opinion at 96fm.ie <laughs> Tina has made a special set of glasses for herself for the Elton John gig this evening I'd say bring a special um, head, head cover or, or a hat or a poncho as well Tina because it looks like it might be wet during the concert hopefully not that might improve but thanks for that we had another one there someone was on about the Elton John gig yeah uh, this is on on email and says it's great I'm looking really looking forward to the concert can't wait for it but it's a shame that some of the Cork acts local Cork acts couldn't open the show from 6pm yeah there's no support with uh, Elton as opposed to Ed Sheeran who had three or four different supports and it really enhanced the gig but Elton never has a support um, I, I've seen, this will be my fourth time to see him I don't think he ever has a support uh, we'll, more on that concert a little later on this morning also some stuff someone got on to us uh, a hairdresser got on to us to say that if Joe would like any help with the back to school haircuts they'd be happy to volunteer that's lovely loads of stuff to get back to but I wanted we mentioned green spaces there before 10, talking to Paul Holloway from UCC. And I was making the point, he's in the Department of Geography there. His own work at UCC is focused an awful lot on the connection between availability of green spaces and and our mental health. And he said there is a very, very solid connection and, and they've proven it in science now, which kind of brings me nicely on to talk to Neve Guyrie. Uh, you work, Neve, with UCC's Green Campus uh, and you're concerned about the lack of green spaces around town. Now, there's been some change announced recently at Bishop Lucy Park and that's, that's one of the things that concerns you. But in general, we need more green spaces in the city. Good morning, Neve. Hi, PJ. How are you? Yeah, there's interesting um, from Paul there. He said the very solid uh, scientific connection between green spaces and our mental health. And that's exactly what drives your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, our, our green spaces are, are so important. Um, I'm sure Paul was talking about all of those kind of the real implications they have on our quality of life and our mental and physical health yeah. and our life expectancy. You know, they improve our air quality and reduce noise pollution, enhance biodiversity. You know, it's not just you know, environmentalists saying, you know, I think that we need more green spaces, you know, the research and the evidence is there um, of their value. So they need to be protected, enhanced and restored. We don't have a huge number of them in the city. We've got Bishop Lucy Park um, and and that's been discussed. We've got Fitzgerald's Park, which is a huge one, Um, Mm -hmm. but we don't have too many small ones, do we? No. um, I mean, if you think about it, like you said, we have Bishop Lucy Park. I know there's a small patch of land outside the electric and we have another small patch of grass kind of outside TK Maxx. And apart from that, that's kind of it for like the city centre. You know, we have such Mm. a, it has, it's really lacking and it is concerning because, you know, the benefits are there. And particularly for children and young people too, you know, they provide safe spaces for those people to go and, you know, play and socialise. Um, mm. They need to be prioritised, and that's kind of what triggered our our event and kind of our campaign around this. Yeah, tell me about the event. I think it's sold out now, but tell us about it anyway. Yeah, so I work with UCC Green Campus, and it was the Bishop Lucy Park kind of development that triggered kind of this event because I had been seeing kind of the erosion of our green spaces for a while, and this kind of final decision just it was the final straw. 
So mm. I reached out to Bernie Connolly in Cork Environmental Forum and said, kind of, have you seen this? And I really want to make an impact. You know, what can we do? Um, so I had some phone calls and meetings with her to brainstorm what could be done. And we came up with our event on the 9th of July, which is okay. called Making Space for Nature in Cork City. So it's basically just bringing people together, you know, local groups and individuals um, to build a cohesive voice around this issue and to tackle the broader problem of lack of green spaces and biodiversity protection in Cork. You know, people are are bothered by this. They are fed up and they are concerned about protecting our nature. So we, we just want to facilitate open dialogue and unify local yeah. groups and individuals that have a yeah. common interest in nature and sustainability. Pretty much anywhere you go in the UK, particularly small towns and villages, you'll find they have a common, which is like a green that anyone can go to and common mm. ground, commonly owned. We, we don't have those or not many of them anyway mm. around Cork. No, and it's such a shame. I mean, they're community spaces, you know, they're, they're there for us and it needs to be you know, such a, a bigger priority for our local council and, you know, biodiversity and nature protection. It needs to be built yeah. into every decision that's being made, yeah. especially... How do we go about doing current... it though, Neve? I mean, yeah, you're looking at maybe future development would, mm. you know, like, I'm, I'm looking in terms of, say, the docklands and we know there's going to be magic things happening there yeah. in the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. You, you'd expect that some functional green spaces would be, mm. would be built into that. But how do we go into a, a built-up area of the city and look at it and say, well, what do we do here? How do we do that? Mm. Um, well, we need to focus, I suppose, protecting what we have and restoring what we have lost, you know, um, reclaiming our urban land for green space and using kind of nature-based solutions like green roofs and vertical gardens and street trees, mm. community gardens, you know, um, digging up concrete and termac, you know, and making it green spaces. And it's important that our green spaces are accessible and kind of close to where people are living. But mm. you see, the thing is about environmental issues is that it's not one person has, you know, the answers. It needs to be kind of a, an all society across all sectors approach. You know, you kind of yeah. need everybody to be working on this. It can't just be one group. Something we've seen a lot more of, and, and they, they began to pop up during, during lockdown, is parklets. Mm. Now, now, they're very nice. And they're actually are lovely to sit in a parklet on a sunny day and, and have your coffee. But they're not quite what you're looking for, are they? Or are you looking for more of them anyway? Um, I mean, they're great, but exactly as you said, they're not kind of the, the rich green spaces that we need. Um, you know, we have kind of the lock and we have Fitzgerald's Park and I know there's developments around the marina, but that's yeah. kind of, it doesn't make up for the lack of green spaces right in our urban city centre. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it kind of needs to be an across-the-board improvement okay. everywhere. All right. Neve. thanks very much. The The event is it's sold out now, but it's on the, the 9th of July. Um, is, it, is it in person or online? It's in person in Nanonagel, and it was great because we publicised it on Monday, and it was all the spaces were gone in two days. Um, but obviously, just because of limited capacity in the venue, we can't accommodate yeah. everyone. But okay. this is just kind of the first initial step of the coalition and there'll okay. be more opportunity for people to engage in the future. That, that'll show you the interest, I guess, that, that is out there in, in green spaces in our city. Neve, thanks very much. Neve Gairi, uh, who works with the UCC Green Campus. I forgot completely about the lock. I mean, the lock's a gorgeous place and Bishop Lucy Park is nice. Well, it was nice. 
Um, and as Trish pointed out to us last week, and I asked the new Lord Mayor, Deirdre Ford, if she could do anything about it. Um, Bishop Lucy Park is lovely if it wasn't for all the bird poo on the seats and, and the fountain and everywhere you can stand and sit there, there's bird poo. But look, that is what it is and it's the time of year, I guess. But we need more Bishop Lucy Parks, not less. We need more lock-type spaces, not less. We need more places just for people to go. And if you are in the UK, any particular part that you choose... Um, I'm thinking in terms of Islington. I was in Islington once, and right in the middle of it, there's this gorgeous park. Just huge, just, and maintained by the council. Hello, council. Maintained by the council. And it's lovely, and everyone goes there. You have a picnic there, kick a ball there, walk your dog there, bring your kids there to play. We have lovely places like Ballincollig Regional Park, all that. The Tremor Valley Park uh, is fantastic. But right in the city centre, there's little or nothing. Thanks, Neve. You're one away from €2,000. You're one away. Full name, please? Lorraine Pendlebury. From what part of the world? Clonakilty. Lorraine, I wish she was here to scream. You've won €2,000. And more tasty, fresh Asian food at Foodie and More. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Uh, Gardy have uh, established proof, this is the Fraud Squad, that an international crime organization known as the Black Axe, the what, PJ? The Black Axe is behind a, a spate of romance fraud in Ireland. I'm reading from the Irish Independent. In the first five months of the year, <clears throat> according to Gardaí, there have been 31 cases of romance fraud, and the victims have lost. Are you waiting for this now? Are you sitting down? Put down that cup or you'll spill it. 812,715 euro has been swindled out of people by this group that Gardaí say is the Black Axe. Uh, And they believe that the crime is very much underreported, this romance fraud. Why would you? You'd be embarrassed to hell uh, to report it. But it's very, very common. And we've talked about it before on the programme, but I think it didn't have a kind of name then. It does now, and we certainly didn't have a crime gang identified as being uh, a part of it. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a change. Let's talk to Sharon Kenny from thematchmaker.ie. Sharon, uh, it's always been out there. It's always been underreported, but that's a colossal amount of money. 812,700-odd euro defrauded from 30-something people uh, in the course of just the first few months of this year. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. And actually, as you mentioned there, that is the tip of the iceberg because people feel so silly and so vulnerable at that stage and they, they don't want to tell anyone 
because I've had clients who've been scammed in the past. They come to me because they want that trust and they want me to go through their profiles and me to meet the people. And they have been scammed in the past. And these are kind of people who don't even have a lot of money and they might uh, be scammed of 3,000, 5,000, 7,000 from postmen to now it's men and women, but they say 75% are mainly women that are scammed. Women, really? And it's absolutely. Yes. And it's because, especially over COVID, people have been in a situation where they haven't been able to go out and date and they haven't been able to meet someone. So they're more vulnerable and they're kind of looking for that special love in their life. And then these scammers and they are, they groom their victims. They actually come in and they go through your profile. So block a lot. Don't be very careful what you share with anyone. Don't yeah. share. You might, it might sound obvious, but don't even share your email with people. If you see them asking for your email, they're obviously scammers. Yeah. Because why would the, someone the, the, who the wants... Dangers. Yeah. I'll go through the, the, the seven deadly signs, as it were, in a minute. Yeah. But I'm intrigued by what you said there. Uh, my feminist friends, Sharon, would tell me, ah, men are so easy to fool. Um, but you tell yes. me more women get caught by this. Oh, more women get caught by it because they are just out of a relationship. They're vulnerable. They're looking for that attention, affection, appreciation. And these guys know how to come on and they know how to say, do you know, I was looking at that photo of you and you've got the most lovely smile and you've got the, and they start with that. Then they get it onto, oh, you've kids. Oh, and I've kids. And it's probably a complete lie. Then they get on to, and this is all through text, mainly text. So, the first thing you do when you're when you're um, online dating is get to talk to them. You have to get to talk to them. A lot of these guys pretend they're doctors. They have to work abroad. They work on oil rigs. They say they say you know because of that I can't get to talk to you. They have an excuse. They're in the army or um, and they're visiting Ireland from America or something like that. And they have all these kind of very attractive photos and if you look at the photos there's only a picture of them there's never there's very seldom they're friends with them because someone might then they open up the chances of getting caught because someone might know their friend so they're very very clever but what they do which is horrible they look for your vulnerability they look for where you've been hurt and they say I've gone through a similar thing and then they build that connection because they're very empathetic and they're listening to everything you say and they're playing with everything you say to make you nearly be obsessed with them and trust them and that's what they do first they get your trust very misogynistic isn't it Sharon Oh, it's absolutely, it's one of the most painful things. It's absolutely shocking the way, uh, but it's greed, it's money, it's theft. It's, they're, 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 that's what they're about. The minute mm. they ask for money, and you might think people, the, the most intelligent ladies and guys have fallen for it because they say, oh, listen, I've just had an accident here or my computer's broken. And why don't they ask their family? Why don't they ask their friends? Yeah. Just question everything. If someone asks for money, now you think people would say, go to hell, there's no way I'm giving you, I've only been talking to you a couple of weeks. But they have a time frame as well. It's usually after the first kind of two, three months. They ring you kind of three times a day uh, or, or text you three times a day. So they're building up that bond that you feel that they're there. And then you get used to 
listening to some in the morning, listening to them in the evening. And you mm. build up this bond. And then they come in for a little amount of money. They might even start with 700 and they test the waters. And a little say, amount like oh, 700, that, that's no little amount. Oh, well, when, when you hear of people getting done and this lady, a piano teacher, a client of mine, and that's what she did, a piano teacher, and she was done for 3,000. Um, and she couldn't, and she was so embarrassed. And she was 63 yeah. at the time and was done for 3,000. You, you made the point earlier on, I wanted to come back to it about the fact that, you yeah. know, you say uh, you, a lot of the people you've come across are bright, intelligent, sharp women. But they're still caught because they always when I discuss something like this, some of the messages yes. that will come in and say, oh, what kind of an idiot falls for that? Actually, anyone can be caught. They could catch anyone. anybody because they're so good at it. They're absolutely, they have it down to a T. Empathists are people who are empathetic can absolutely get under your skin quite quickly and quite easily and find out where you are slightly vulnerable and they come in with the the they make you feel really special they make you feel like oh did you not get enough attention from your ex-husband now they don't make it as obvious as that but the way yes. they I'd be the kind of person who would be there for you oh I'm so into helping people with so and so and I've done this and I've done that it's all lies uh, yeah. with these scammers but they ha they have a way of getting under your skin and just how are you this evening did you you know and they kind of do it and it's not just how are you the Irish guys, which is, uh, there are very few scammers in the Irish guys, but the Irish guys who do it, they just go, hi, how was your day? Whereas these guys say, I noticed in your profile and they take in something from your profile and they put it in such a lovely way that you feel very special and you feel like they're giving you that attention. And they, they're very, very clever of finding okay. where your vulnerability is. Can we go through maybe um, in the time we've left, maybe maybe five things to watch out for or if they're more red flags. The minute you hear from someone you've never heard, let, let's, let, let's yes. start with that, Sharon. You hear from someone you've never met before, you've never heard of before, and you think, Craig, that's yeah. a nice message to get. What are the red flags? Well, the, the weird thing is it used to be done through dating apps. Now it's even done through LinkedIn. It's done through every, you, you might think there's ladies who are on their WhatsApp or I'm sorry, on their LinkedIn and they have their business accounts and this person comes on and says, oh, I'm in a similar business to you. They even research the business and know about your business. And then they, they try to get into a partnership situation, which grows into, oh, and you're single. And so they get you that way. But so the real, the main thing is watch what they do and how they approach you and the speed they um, they get into it because they actually come in quite fast and they actually start um, giving that, uh, coming in from an emotional point of view very fast. Like, I've, I, I just find that you're so interesting and you're so fantastic in, and they go into more detail. So watch out for photos of them by themselves. Watch out for not wanting to talk to you as soon as possible. Excuses not to talk to you. Um, obviously, if they're asking for money or ask for your, the, the weirdest thing is asking for your email because when they have your email and your date of birth, um, they sometimes can work out and go through loads of things that could get your password. So it's absolutely, it's so dangerous um, giving out any information like that. And obviously never give money to a stranger. And again, there are people who are professionals in 
in in the bank who've been scammed because they feel there's no way this could be fake. This this guy sounds so sincere. Yeah. Um, so you know, in, in a world very, now, in a world now, Sharon, where we have something as wonderful as Revolut, like you yes. can be divested of hundreds in seconds. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it's absolutely scandalous the way they go about it and the way they say, listen, I've just had an accident and the, or my daughter's had an accident. And I might my, my and now because the banks are being so careful, they um, within a second, the bank can say, sorry, that transaction isn't going through. And they can say, listen, I need a thousand now because um, my bank account has just gone down and I can't get onto the bank to get the money through. You know, so Revolut, there in two seconds. Yes, I'll help you out for a second. Like even mm. down to, um, oh, my son's Xbox. I heard of a, my son's Xbox is gone and um, isn't working and he's he's away at the moment. And people kind of, listen, I'll help you out now and I'll send it on yeah. through Amazon or whatever. Even Amazon are finding people being scammed out of money. And it's the, it's the dating scene. And you honestly... They're not stupid people. They're just at yeah. a vulnerable stage in their life. That's it. And we all Absolutely. go through ups and downs in our life. Yeah. And they're just scamming the ones that are at, they feel their vulnerability and they go for those people. I'm, I'm so glad that you, you focused on that, that these are not stupid people. They're people who are vulnerable and the scammers go out and they not only do they spot it, they sniff it, but they then exploit the vulnerability. Sharon, thank you very much. Sharon Kenny, uh, thematchmaker.ie. Watch out for that, though. The guy they have established <clears throat> that there is a gang of fraudsters operating here, um, calling themselves the Black Axe. They're an international crime organization. And since the start of this year, I'll give you the number again. Since the start of this year, they've had about 31 different victims, according to the Gadi. Those are the ones that, uh, those are the ones that um, the guys know about, the ones that have been reported, because a lot of people don't report it. They're too embarrassed. 31 cases. These people have taken 812,700 nod euro off of misfortunate people. And, and just one last point from Sharon. If your dating is going too well, too quickly, pull back a small bit. Date slowly. If it's going too fast and too well, we live in a world now where it's time to become suspicious. Thanks for that. And before anybody comes back and says, oh, it is only a fool gets caught, if you were even listening to what Sharon said, you won't be thinking that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, someone called to ask a question. Has on-street parking gone up? I usually pay two euro on the app, but today it's gone up to two fifty. I use that app a lot, caller. Obviously not at the moment when I'm here working at a Studio 1.5 in Coogan Towers. But, but, yeah. I opened up, it's the park by phone or the park, whatever you call it, app. Cork Park by phone app. And yes, it has gone up to 250. Uh, I assume from this morning, 1st July. Uh, that's sneaky. Cause I, now, correct me if I'm wrong here, because somebody will. I've no doubt somebody will inside the City Hall tell me uh, that they told us, but I don't think they did. So it's gone up from €2 Euro an hour to 250 or 250 for yeah, a session, like an hour, two hours, whatever. So it's 250 a go now on the Park by Phone app. So that is a 25% increase overnight. And then the best bit, and I said this before, when you then put in, there's a facility in it that asks you, do you want a text message to remind you when your time is nearly up? Of course you do, because you only get caught and find the text message. They charge 20 quid for the flipping text message. And, and oh, 20, 20 cents, rather, 20 quid, 20 cents for the text message. And then, to make matters even worse again, and look, this is a great app. I'm not down in the app, right? But the way they charge for it is dead sneaky. Dead sneaky. Um, they also, when you top up, there's a facility whereby you can just top up off your phone and all that kind of thing. They charge you for the top up. Like I usually top up by 20 quid a week or 25 quid a week, whatever it is, uh, depending on how much parking I'm going to be doing in town. And they take a euro off you. Like, what's that crack about? And then this morning, to add insult to injury, throw salt in the wound, they put the price of parking up by 25%. And I don't think they told us they were going to do that. 0818 96 96 96. They really do hate motorists, don't they now? They really, really do hate us. Right, let us talk about lighter things on this Friday and a bunch of entertainment catch-ups I think it's time to do we like to do this on a, on, a, on a Friday and I'm joined by and I, I knew she was a Love Island fan but I didn't know she was a total devotee Katie O'Keefe from the 96 M Newsroom Katie how are you? Good PJ how are you? <laughs> Good you're hanging on every uh, every word of Love Island which is grand because it means I don't actually have to but <laughs> there was a big cliffhanger last night was there? There was. So basically there's the the bottom three couples who the public thought were least compatible are up for um, elimination. But the Islanders themselves have to vote for one girl and one boy to be eliminated. So we'll see that tonight. Oh, so it's not a public vote? No, it's not it, a public vote, which makes vote it all the more interesting. Yeah. So the girls oh. are voting for which boy to remove and the boys are voting for which girl. Oh, that could get bitchy. 
Oh, of course, but like, is well, that the do, whole do point? they have to reveal who they're voting for, Katie? Oh, they do. Yeah, they'll have to say to their face. Oh, yeah. There'll be claws out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Because if it was a nice secret thing, like putting everybody's name into a jam jar written on a bit of paper, then you'd be all right. <laughs> but you've got no, to turn no, around no. and say, "No, I don't want you here anymore." Ooh. Basically, yeah. <laughs> who do you think will go then? Um, I think it'll be between uh, two girls, Danica or um, Antigone, or right. it'll be between two boys, Jay or Charlie. I reckon Charlie will likely be the boy to go. I'm Why? up in the air about the girls. Uh, he's just the new last in, first out. What? Oh, really? That's why you'd vote him off yourself? like He's had no connection with someone yet, like, so... Right. And, and and the famous or infamous Ekinsu, she's safe, is she? Oh, she's safe. <laughs> she's safe. I don't think she'll go down without a fight. <laughs> uh, could be some bitchy moments on, on, on Love Island then tonight and over the weekend. Now, Stranger Things, this season four, this, I mean, this, we know why this has been so sensationally successful, particularly for Kate Bush and running up that hill and all that. But but the, the second part of season four, and there's only two episodes. There is, there's two episodes. However, I haven't confirmed it yet because I haven't checked my Netflix yet, but apparently one of those episodes is two hours. So they're right. two movies. Um, so yeah, tonight all the fan theories will be answered. Uh, right. So the the gang are currently in a fight with Vecna. Eleven has gone away to regain her powers. and But there is death expected with rumours of five major characters dying. Five? So all will be answered. Five major characters are expected to die. Right. There is one more series, season, isn't there? Or is this the end of it? There's one more season. Um, there's going to be a time jump to kind of bring in the, the character's age difference because it was supposed to be filmed pre-COVID, but that kind of got yeah. in the way. So currently yeah. they're still playing 13, 14 when they're all 18, 19, 20. Right. So there's going to be a time jump between this series and the next series. So, Oh, I love that expression. That That's new technology now, time dumps, isn't it? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and there's, I love there's something really cool for Stranger Things fans, actually, I just found out this morning. If you go onto Spotify or just search it on your Google, you can now find a link to see what song would save you on your Spotify from Vecna. Get so off. Running Up the Hill is the major one. Um, so now if you click into that link, your Spotify will collaborate uh, and see what song So you're going to beat her to death with a Kate... You're going to beat Vecna to death with a Kate Bush song. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, actually, there's something else I found, um, and of course, being being an eighties child, Katie, the, the it's the soundtrack that drew me into Stranger Things in the first place. And there is now a someone has taken the time to go through every episode and put all the songs and all the bits of music into a Spotify playlist. Oh, absolutely! What a dream! <laughs> deadly, deadly. Come here, as if we weren't spending enough on streaming. Paramount Plus, what's this about? Yeah. It looks great. So it's going to cost us what seven ninety nine. Yeah, so it's half the price of Netflix standard package because Netflix standard package is fourteen ninety nine. So it's literally yeah. half. Um, it is the home to the likes of SpongeBob SquarePants or Yellowstone Universe, which Yellowstone aired on RTE. So whether that will happen now that the streaming services are in Ireland, I don't know. Um, so it has loads of it's. Apparently, a nostalgic streaming service as well as a new upcoming streaming service. So you'll have all mm. the oldies, but the goodies and the new ones as well. Bit like how Disney started up, isn't it? Because Disney started 
with literally just Disney. And now they've got yes. so much new stuff that you kind of have to subscribe. Yeah, that's the thing. And Paramount is um, taking a different route as well. I think they have a live TV option, whether that's in the Irish option yet, but they definitely have it out in right. America where it started. So time will tell if people will bother having a TV anymore and just stream. There you go. They've got things like, I mean, Star Trek, Star Trek, and I'm being a Star Trek child, Star Trek could disappear from all other... It's, it's like, that's what happened with some of the Disney stuff, that it disappeared from everywhere else and then turned up on Disney, so you had to you had to subscribe there as well. Could this happen with the likes of Star Trek and the stuff they own, like SpongeBob, so you want for the kids, or maybe the adults, if they Absolutely. live with it. You're right. Wow. Well, if you look at the, if you look at the Disney um, Plus, they took all Disney channels off of um, the likes of Sky and Virgin Media and whatever on the box. There's no more Disney Channel in Ireland, in the UK. You now have to get it on Disney Plus for kids' channels. Nickelodeon would be owned by Paramount Plus, so are they going to take the same route? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of getting down to the 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 winner. How, it, you know, how much you can get is a matter of how much you can spend. This is going to cost seven ninety nine unless you have Sky Sky Cinema, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, okay, and it'll probably go up on now and all those other platforms as well. Katie, thanks very much. It'll be on all the usual apps and platforms too. Katie O'Keefe. So your your calls come back to your come back to what you called it. You reckon who did you say again is going to get dumped off Love, Love Island by the other Love Islanders? So I reckon Charlie will be the boy, and I think maybe Danica will be the girl. Okay, Danica. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Katie. Katie O'Keefe from the 96FM Newsroom. That Paramount Plus is... this. Uh, Adrian Weckler, who was on here with me months ago, said this is the way it's going to go. You eventually will just end up paying extra for all your favourite stuff. Uh, let's go back to yeah, that scam story. Debbie said, PJ, nobody should ever negotiate with blackmailers. It's disturbing, but write it out. It's also against the law. And here's a WhatsApp message. This is an interesting one. Another annoying aspect of the scammer story. I'm the parent of a child with a rare chromosomal syndrome. I have to link in with the international community to keep up to date with information. So on Twitter and Instagram, in fact, especially on Instagram, I connect with international families and medical personnel. The number of scammers who try to connect is annoying. That one person in the photo is a dead giveaway, though, as are the overly familiar compliments. That's an immediate block. The international scam numbers is another one that has me head wrecked. I regularly get legitimate phone calls from numbers I don't know, so having to check the international call code is a must, but it's really annoying. Adds stress to already stressed families. Yeah, I've had three calls this week from my long-lost uncle in Somalia uh, offering me seven million dollars. Do you know? I have three calls. Like, he's so desperate to get rid of it. But I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean if you're, if you're looking for genuine international calls and that nonsense is coming in between it. On green spaces, a major part of the problem in Cork is that while the council have been very generous giving areas to groups, it's also become very segregated. If you go down to Mahan, for example, the beautiful walk is sectioned off from all the pitches, which are behind awful railings. If you walk around other cities like Dublin even, there are big communal areas with open greens and pitches, and it makes for a much more interactive experience. Getting back to those scammers, and I have little or no time for the man 
In fact, I have less than no time for the man, Phil, Dr. Phil, the infamous Dr. Phil. But a lot of people like him, a lot of people follow him and read his books, the Queen Bee included. Uh, he talks in one of his books about the thing called baiters, B-A-I-T-E-R-S, and he said we're surrounded by them and we should all learn to spot them. And I guess he's got a point. Occasionally, you know, a uh, broken clock is right twice a day, but there you go. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I mentioned yesterday we're coming to the end of, of Pride Month and June being Pride Month, the 30th of June, of course, yesterday was the last day. But then I also said that here in Cork we tend to stretch it into July. Uh, we have a couple of other events going on in July. The first ever Trans Pride event or Trans Plus Pride event is taking place in Cork this month, uh, tomorrow week, Saturday, July Ninth, I'm joined by Saoirse Macken. Saoirse, good morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Tell me about this Trans Plus Pride. Yeah, so um, Trans Pride is a movement that happens all over the world uh, in, in, in line with, um, you know, the usual LGBT plus prides uh, that we have. Um, so you see them in cities like... Um, uh, cities and towns like uh, Brighton and LA and Berlin and places like that and um, a group in Dublin started one um, a few years ago um, I think it was 2018 or 2019 2018 I think it was the first one and uh, this year the first ones outside of Dublin are taking place in Limerick and Cork um, so mm. yeah so it, it's great that we finally we finally have one in Cork and um, it's all about spreading um, the, the the message um, th- uh, that trans health care is um, not uh, fit for purpose in Ireland. Uh, but on top of that as well, um, addressing the other issues that transgender people face as well. Mm. You, you talk in your press release about pride always having been a protest. Uh, expand on that for me. Yeah, so, so you know, the, going back to the the very first prides, um, that's you know that's exactly what it was. Um, a lot of um, at a time when it would have been illegal to be gay, um, a lot of gay bars would. Have so been you can get a bit closer police. to your phone there, if you would, please. Yeah, so you can hear me now. That's better. That's better. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So go back to the you know the the. Um, at the time when it would have been illegal to be gay. Um, a lot of gay bears uh, would have been stormed by police. Uh, there was a lot of police brutality towards um, the LGBT plus community. And we saw a number of uprisings within those bars. The likes of Stonewall is obviously the most famous one, um, mm. where um, where um, LGBT plus people finally stood up and, um, you know, against that level of um, police brutality towards them. Um, and, and then that's how Pride started. You know, it started off as, as rioting and as protests. And, um, you know, we, we have this thing nowadays where Pride feels like a, a celebration in, in a way. And, you know, in, in a sense, it is in terms of, you know, how far we've come. But at the end of the day, it is still a protest it always will be it's always going to be mm. about um the fact that we still don't have um equality uh, not just in ireland but also abroad you know ireland for example has um one of the highest levels of um hate crime towards transgender people in europe um w- uh, within the eu so you know that's you know con- considering how far we seem to have come in terms of um, you know, laws in Ireland um, mm. and also high levels of um, uh, yes votes in, in the recent referendums and things like that that yeah. we've had. Um, it is quite shocking to, to know that we still have one of the highest levels of hate crime against... Well, where's that statistic from, Sirsha? Where did that come from? 
Uh, that comes from the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, and um, uh, it was from a report that they had done a few years ago, um, okay. and uh, that was uh, that was quite a few years. Oh, has that line dropped? I think it might have dropped. Fiona. Oh, yeah, I, I think I think, I'm, there? I'm, I think I'm back to you now. Yeah, yeah there, you're there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just, just um, one one thing I want to ask you. You you say that most people. Um, don't realise the level of discrimination that's there on a daily basis. We And because we don't see it, we don't think it exists. Just expand on that one again for me. Yeah, so uh, again, you know, there's... Um there's the the big issues that we sometimes hear about, you know, if someone is, um, um, you know, is attacked in in a street or something like that, and that's only obviously again if they speak out and if they they report it. A lot of those things uh, do go unnoticed um, if someone isn't willing or for some reason doesn't want to because they feel more comfortable not um, speaking out about it, which is obviously perfectly fine. But of course, that means that a lot of people don't actually realise uh, the level of discrimination that there is still towards um, the LGBT plus community. Um, you know, I, I guess before I ever came out, I always knew that um, transphobia existed, but I saw very little of it and I didn't really think it was uh, as big in Ireland as it is. But it's only when you actually when you actually experience it that you realize how prevalent it still is. You know, most transgender right. people still experience some level of transphobia um, on a daily basis. And it's still very, very prevalent in, in Ireland. So we may not have, you know, as high levels of actual you know, um, murders and things like that, as some countries would, the likes of the US, for example, which still have a high level of um, um, murders towards transgender people, and in particular, um, black trans women and black and trans women of colour. Um, but we still have a very high level of um, hate crime towards trans people. And, and, and on top of that as well, we, we also don't yet have um, hate crime legislation either. Um, in order to address that so you know that's okay. kind of a, a number one um step uh, in in the route to actually addressing this which is what we're calling okay. for and, and these are the the issues you'll be highlighting on the 9th of july tell me the details where, where is it on what time yeah so this is a it's going to be a rally it won't be a march or breed or internet it's going to be a rally outside um cork city library um we're going to meet there and start up at about two o'clock um, so on the day, we're going to have a few um, people speaking about their own experiences. We're also going to have some um, uh, entertainment as well. We'll have um, a couple of people to sing. We'll have a, a poet and, and different things like that. So okay. um, we're asking people to come out and bring flags and banners and everything like that okay. that they can and um, join us on the, on the night. Okay, hope you have a good event with that. That's uh, Saoirse Macken, one of the organisers of Trans Plus Pride in Cork on the 9th of July, 2 o'clock at the library. And in preparation for that, I guess you might want to listen to our new radio station, uh, Cork's 96MM's Pride Vibes. It's online, it's at the biggest hits, and shining a light on Irish life with conversations around the issues that matter. It's the countdown to parades and celebrations across Ireland, and you can stream it on the app just now, or it's got its own website, pridevibes.ie, and Pride Vibes is supported by Valteral, the joy of movement. Listen live now with Cork's 96FM. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
as it was high that they're speculating about at Met Aaron. I can tell you now, again, Dark Sky and Carlo Weather, Alan from Carlo Weather, when you combine the two, you get a really accurate forecast. This day next week, summer will have arrived. Uh, it's going to warm up a little bit Monday, then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and by this day next week, you're looking at afternoon highs in the low to mid-20s and a nice bit of July. About flipping time. Speaking of music, of course remind you that the Back Garden Festival is back with us for this summer. There'll be some Elton John in there and plenty more besides all the biggest hits, in fact, from this summer's headline acts non-stop. The Back Garden Festival streaming online with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. You can listen on the app just now or go to 96event.ie. Wait till the, after the opinion line, of course. I'd like you to do that. Would you do that for me? Thanks ever so much. 0818 96 96. 96. Maureen has been looking ahead to the Elton John gig. I'll catch up with that in this hour. Also play one of the songs that I am most anxious to hear tonight. Most looking forward to. Oh, can you guess? Between now and the time I play it, can you guess what it, what's the song that the Peach is most looking forward to? Or one of them? Anyway, given that I'm an 80s child. All right. See, can you guess? At 083 396 96 96. Now, this woman... Formerly of this parish, has done more globe trotting since she left 96 FM than most of us will ever do in our entire lives. And you're only gone a wet week. Ellen Collin, good morning. You're at it again. I'm at it again. Good morning, PJ. How are you? How are you? Globe trotter television. You're off to the USA this time. Yes, yeah. Well, we actually went to the USA before COVID hit, um, but the series that we filmed way back then um, is out on the 4th of July, American Independence Day. So that will be out on Sky Channel 191. It's called Ellen's American Adventure, Massachusetts. Yeah, you love just traveling around and looking at (laughs) these various places from from angles we wouldn't normally look at. Do you know what I mean? You like to find the different in, in places. Yeah, exactly. We When we go to America, you know, everybody does the norms like, you know, New York and all that. So what we do is like we try to go to definitely hotspots, but things that you can do that's slightly different. Like when we went to New York, we went surfing and stuff like that. So like things that people don't really know they can do. So when we went to Massachusetts, we went to Fenway Park and we got a tour around uh, the home of the Boston Red Sox. Um, yeah, and we learned all about its Irish history there as well. 
well. It's steeped in Irish roots. Um, they even played the Cork hurling team. I think played there in like 1954. Uh, Christy Ring was the star of the show, apparently. So it was kind of. I know before you ask, I wasn't that. born then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm was before that your bad. time, PJ. <laughs> well before my time. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you got in trouble though. Did you? Stuff. Did you? Did you land yourself in trouble with a hotel doorman? Oh yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, when we arrived in Boston, it was our first stop. And um, so, like on the flight from Heathrow, I was wearing a New York Yankees cap, and obviously, I was still wearing it by the time that I got to the hotel. And uh, the hotel Commonwealth is actually the official hotel for the Boston Red Sox. So when I arrived there and was wearing my Yankees hat, the doorman had a few words for me, <laughs> and. Um, yeah. He was just kind of joking, but he was like, "You can't really wear that in here." And I was can't like, "Can't wear that oh, in here, man." I'm so confused. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like it's like it's, it's like but, walking um, it's like walking into Murphy's Brewery with a Guinness T-shirt on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it worked out because the next morning there was a note from the hotel manager on my bed, um, just saying you can wear this from now on, and it was a Boston Red, Red Sox cap. So now that's you know. cool. That's cool. <laughs> at least I got a free cap. Brilliant. Exactly. How did? Where did you get this travel bug, Ed? I remember, I remember you being being a, a street leader, you know, and yeah. and, and, and Collig and McCroom were ambitious for you. But where, where where did the where did the travel bug come from? Um, I think I've always I've always loved traveling. Like, um, do you know, when I was in Cork, I went, I moved to Australia for a year, and then I came back and started working with Ninety Six and. I also went to Greece for a summer and stuff. So I was always kind of toing and foring with um, with travel. But mm. as soon as I moved to London and I heard of this gig and, you know, I got the opportunity to do it, I was like, this is my two favorite things, traveling and TV presenting. So mm. I was just lucky. Yeah. How did get you get the an gig? opportunity to do both. Um, so I got it through networking. Basically, I was uh, working with the guy who started up the company, Globetrotter Television, and uh, he was a director and I was an assistant producer on a shoot that we were doing. And he told me about this um, new travel channel that he's setting up on Sky. And I was like, well, you better pick me to be your first TV presenter when you set it up. And he stuck to his word. He did. And I've well, so you just threw it out there years. and said, oh, if you're a star, oh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. mind presenting. Oh, good on you. <laughs> If you don't ask, you don't receive. <laughs> you mightn't get it anyway, but you certainly won't if you don't ask. Yeah, brilliant. Exactly. So this is this is starting when, Ellen? So it's airing on the 4th of July. It's um, on Monday and it's 12.30pm and it runs every week for the next five weeks um, on Sky Channel 191. Any other plans in the in the pipeline? Yes, um, we're filming a new series in September, and um, that's Amazing Spatowns of Europe, season two. And oh, we'll yeah. be filming that around Croatia and Italy as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, was, that was a really um, different travel show, the Spatowns. Yeah. I, really, I really enjoyed that. But come here, of all oh, the places you. you've been, these are mm -hmm. the cheesy questions now you worked in radio long enough to know we always work for the, look for the cheesy question first of all what's yeah. the best place you've ever seen and then if I said there's only one place you can ever go again what would it be where's the place you want oh to go God. most in the world start with the first one what's the best you've ever seen the strangest place you've ever been um, I actually the strangest is probably Texas, um, Fort Worth in Texas. I feel like I didn't expect it. It was like a movie set, like a Western movie set. I didn't feel like it would 
be like that i thought it was just like that in the movies but it really was there was rodeos and you know cows and cowboys and it was it was great to to experience it you know i felt like i was in a movie set the whole time um and a place that i would like to go back to oh that's a really tough one all of them i can't choose (laughs) i can't choose (laughs) and is there one place you haven't been that you're determined to get to um oh i don't know but i'd like to go somewhere really out there like like visit somewhere where nobody goes on holiday like try to make somewhere a tourist destination that's not the norm i'd love to have a look at that but i don't know i can't think off the top of my head now i'll have to think about that one (laughs) that's all right there's a place about five miles from corpus sherry that you might like (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) i'm only missing come here um i I know i was a 10-pin bowler in a previous life and Ross Brown plays a lot of 10-pin bowling at the moment. You get to try it in the States. Um, any yes. good? No. Um, one thing <laughs> I found out in this series is that I'm really bad at all sports. So I tried my hand at baseball as well. Um, they just needed one shot of me hitting a ball and we were there for hours. Like, literally could not do it. They had to give me a bigger bat in the end so I could hit the ball. So yeah, it really cemented to me that sports is not for me, and I was really and bad in between at all. Well, in between all this, Ellen, you're working for the Mail Online. I am. Yeah, I'm um, a lifestyle and entertainment reporter for the Mail Online as well. So when I'm not travelling and I have a few months in between the trips, I um I report for them. So yeah, busy, busy. You've come a long way from giving out stickers on the street fleet, haven't you? <laughs> Do you know what? I that I loved that job. That was such a good job. It was yeah. such a good group that we had and yeah, it was brilliant. But you never know, someday I could be back. Watch this space. Wouldn't <laughs> you know what? Wouldn't that be something special in of a, of a, of, a, of a day that I I pass over to a street fleet link and there you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd be like, wait, <laughs> the last and few years it's were gr- blurred. <laughs> and, and come here, I'm, I'm, did, were you home in Cork since we last talked? Um, I think, yeah, I was. I was back for yeah. a wedding, a friend's yeah, wedding. Yeah, you didn't yeah. come in, did you? You didn't visit us, I did know. you? I <laughs> next time. It was a time. flying visit, but I'll have to come in the next time. I definitely next will. Next time. Listen, great to talk to you, girl. <laughs> and and every, continued too. success. And I'm not a bit jealous, not remotely jealous <laughs> with all the travelling you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen Collin, Globetrotter Television. Cheers, girl. Uh, Sky Channel 191 on Monday. Recorded. Um, she's off to America. She's doing the world. Uh, it's great. Uh, she won of our street fleet years ago. Um, Ellen Collin. Thanks for that, Ellen. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. So I remember the morning this was announced. Uh, it would have been, I think, late 2020. And when uh, someone ran into Studio One while I was on the air with the press release 
for making promotions, uh, announcing that Elton John will be playing at uh, Parky Creeve Friday, 1st of July, as part of his farewell Yellow Brick Road, his final ever tour. It's the, certainly the last time we'll get to see him in a stadium in Ireland. I think there's a few more gigs. Remember, they had to then, <clears throat> they had to put a whole load of them back because um, he hurt himself and he was uh, laid up for a bit. He's 75. And they had to cancel a bunch of them and put them at the end of the tour. So he'll be touring now until about 2027, I'd say, at this stage, by the time this thing is over. But it arrives tonight in full effect at Parky Cueve. Eight o'clock, he's on stage. There is no support. Uh, about 45,000 people going down. I will most certainly be there with the boy Wonder, who's a massive Elton John fan. And Maureen Tuig has been sampling the atmosphere in the build-up to Elton John in Cork. Over 50% of the people coming here are from Cork, or County Cork. We're even letting some people in from Dublin as well. But just looking at the range of, uh, of interest, there are people from Dubai, Estonia, France... Uh, Great Britain, Germany, Israel, Latvia, Mexico, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Portugal, Romania, Russia, Singapore, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Taiwan and the USA. Event coordinator Jim Clark outlining ticket sales for this evening's concert. Elton John takes to the stage at Parky Cueve at 8pm and there is no support act. Gig goers are urged to be prepared for all weather conditions. No umbrellas will be allowed into the stadium so... A little plastic Mac would be a very good idea, just to stuff it in the uh, the handbag or whatever. No more than A4 size, please, uh, so that uh, you, people can whiz in through the security and get to their seats uh, fairly quickly and easily. The show will start at 8 o'clock on the, do- on the dot. Elton is very uh, punctual in things that he does, very well organised. So the, the, the show will start at 8 o'clock. The doors are open at 6 o'clock. And while we don't want any queuing on the streets, we would like people to arrive as early as possible. And we would also like people to arrive by public transport. Gates open at 6pm. Patrons are asked to respect the privacy and interests of the local community around the venue, which is situated in a residential area. Inspector James Hallahan says road closures will be in place. We're very impressed with how people have behaved at concerts across the Cork City over the last couple of months and we want that to continue. We have uh, changed the traffic management plan slightly uh, from Ed Sheeran because, again, the gates are opening that bit later. From the Monaghan Road and Centre Park roundabouts, we will have a full closure in at five o'clock. That's slightly later than Ed Sheeran concerts. That, again, is due to the fact that the gates will open at six o'clock and we want to be very fair to businesses in the area. We will have our inner cordon in place at two o'clock And again, that will be respectful to the needs of uh, some of the businesses in the area and also the residents. Concert goers are asked to park in the city centre or use public transport. There is no parking down here. Uh, There's no point people trying to come down here to get parking. It's full stop. There is no parking uh, unless you have a ticket for parking in the area. So we would ask people to avail of parking facilities in the city centre and walk down to the venue. It's a lovely walk down. Uh, especially coming down to a concert. You have the marina market, you have other uh, places around the place that you know you can get into the atmosphere of it as well. So we would ask people to walk down to the venue and, obviously enough, uh, when they are leaving the venue, that they do so in a 
a peaceful, quiet manner. Elton John's performance comes after two Ed Sheeran gigs and ahead of Westlife next month. Sinead O'Keefe is commercial director at Parky Cueve. This concert seems to be bringing more of an international and around Ireland focus because obviously Ed was doing more gigs in Ireland itself than, than Elton John is. And then, yeah, we look forward to having Westlife, which seems like it's never going to happen with having been postponed twice. But look, it's going to be bigger and better as a result, I think. And there's a real appetite for events, whether they're sporting or um, conferences or indeed concerts at the moment. People are just really, really excited to meet face to face and not be worried um, in order to do so. More than 30,000 fans will descend on the venue later. Helen Murphy of Cork Business Association is encouraging people to soak up the atmosphere in the city centre before making their way to the concert. There's been a fantastic buzz and the city is really ready for that kind of lift now you know you've got all the outdoor dining spaces on princess street caroline street the new ones on beasley street and even up as far as the vq in mccurtain street and so on so we'd like to say to people that are going to the concert come into town for the afternoon grab a bite to eat in you know the many restaurants and bars that are there and have a drink in the hotels. There's going to be lots of choice and lots of buzz. Samantha Stewart, Deputy General Manager at the Muldron Hotel on South Mall, says there's great excitement for the gig. Everyone's attitude is so great and everyone's so positive and upbeat and it makes working as well through it so much easier because everyone's just so happy just to see some sort of normality coming back and having such so many people coming around the city as well. It's, it's lovely to see. Oh yeah, it's great. It's fabulous. Just there's, there's a place if you're ever wondering what do big gigs what do artists play at their big gigs? There's a, a website called setlist.fm and you can find the setlist from pretty much any tour. Like I got the setlist for the Pet Shop Boys for last week. Uh, the setlist for Elton John uh, live at Parky Cueve tonight. They're all in there. Sad songs say so much. Daniel is in there. Candle in the wind is in there. Rocket Man has to be in there. The wonderful tiny dancer is in there. Crocodile Rock, Yellow Brick Road, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, Benny and the Jets. Now, this is um, May May Fox. I'm going to talk to May May Fox for a little while. She's a New York Times best-selling author. Uh, she's written over a dozen non-fiction books and she writes from for uh, Forbes uh, on life coaching issues because she is a life coach. But she's very much involved with the work of the Hope Foundation. And she's here with them at the moment on a visit and she's with the great Maureen Forrest at the moment. And May May Fox joins me now. May May, good morning. Good morning to you. I'm delighted welcome. to be here. Thank you for having welcome me. Welcome to Cork. Is it your first time? Absolutely. My first time in Ireland, as a matter of fact. So how did you get involved with our wonderful Hope Foundation? Well, it's a wild story, in fact, because I just happened to be traveling in India in 2004. Can you imagine? That's almost 20 years ago now. Yeah. And uh, I was just traveling around India and I really wanted to get involved and see if I could do something to help out. And I happened to be at the cell phone store buying a local SIM card and I ran into this woman and she said, well, I work at the Hope Foundation and I've been there for a couple of years and I'm Irish and we do this incredible work here in Calcutta and you should come see. So I said, okay, great. Well, I went along and visited 
They'd only been around for a couple years at that point. It was brand new, the Hope Foundation, founded by Maureen Forrest here out of Cork, but based in Calcutta, India. And I got to tour their uh, homes. They had a couple of homes up and running at that time for street children and slum dwellers in the slum and street communities of Kolkata. And they were giving them a home, an education, clothing, food, uh, all kinds of love and support. And I just said, this is fantastic. It's absolutely amazing what you're accomplishing mm. here. And I've been You were instantly taken by it. I was really impressed with what they had accomplished with, you know, just one woman and her desire to make a change in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it was, really spectacular. You, you have Indian connections, do you, Mamie? Yeah, so this is kind of crazy, too, because later, um, many years later, I ended up marrying a man who, he's Indian-born. He was born in Hyderabad, so that's kind of in the south-central part of India. Yeah. Um, and his parents immigrated to the U.S. when he was only two years old. So he grew up in America, New York, and, you know, he's pretty much fully American. But right. um, one of our first things we did was go back and visit India together when um, we first got married. That was about uh, over 10 years ago now, 11 years ago. And yeah. we visited Hope again at that time. So we got to see how in the 10 years since I had first visited, it had grown and expanded to have, yeah. I think, over a dozen child protection homes, a hospital. They gave us a tour of um, the slums um, where they have medical services operating and they have job skills training. And we got to eat at a restaurant that's run by the children who they've rescued off the streets. And I, I mean, I, again, I was just flabbergasted. And that was the point at which um, Maureen Forrest shortly after that asked me to join the board of Hope Foundation USA because they're starting Fantastic. to build a presence in the U.S. now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but what, what, what time in, what, what part of 2000 or what, what month in 2004 were you in India? Um, gosh, uh, that would have been probably December. Yeah. Okay, okay, because I, I, believe it or not, I had been there myself in 2004 in September. No, you're kidding. Yeah, I had, I had, oh, yeah, I love, I, 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 I've been there, been there twice and, and I love the place dearly. So the work, the, the, the you're, you're in America, Hope America, what's, your, your work is to generate more funds for the work in Calcutta, yeah? Exactly. You know, we're still absolutely supporting the same efforts that you are in Cork. We're just trying to raise awareness and generate funds from the U.S. So we are making a really concerted effort right now to connect with the Desi community, you know, the community of Indian people who have immigrated to America yeah. and uh, try and get their support. Yeah. You you also write about hope, and you've you've written about it in Forbes, for example, and and uh, you've written quite a number of books. What kind of books do you write? Well, my writing that I do is really in the nonfiction genre, so it's really self help. It's um, you know all about uh, making the world a better place. So that that's really my mission. And um, currently, for Forbes, I write five articles a month where I profile entrepreneurs and change makers. So I've written about Maureen Forrest, of course, several times. Um, and people who are following their life purpose. Okay. Now you're in, you're like, obviously you want to, your first time in Ireland, you wanted to go to the headquarters here in Cork, of course, where it was all founded. But, but you're here, I think, to research a, another book. 
This is correct. So this would be my husband, Kiran Ramchandran. So I told you he's of Indian origin, although he's American. But he's currently writing a historical fiction trilogy that is set in 1650. And it takes place largely in the Caribbean, like kind of a real Pirates of the Caribbean type of story. You know, not the Disney version, but a real nitty gritty. But there are characters who are coming from Ireland. And um, so we address the issue of Cromwell's, you know, invasion and oppression of the Irish people and um, how a lot of people ended up coming to the New World as indentured. Um, and that's all a critical part of the book's story. And those um, those are characters in the book. So we wanted to come see for ourselves. And we'd never, neither of us had ever been to Ireland. So we've been going right. around seeing castles and tower homes and battlegrounds and doing right. our historical research. You have plenty to see then. There is no end of things to see. I feel like we <laughs> we allotted a whole month and it's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In, in between writing and supporting the Hope Foundation, you, you work as a, as a life coach. Talk to me about that. What What is a life coach? What, how do you see your, your role as a life coach? What's your job? Well, you know, I see it as it's, it's, it's sort of similar to being a therapist. I actually did training to be a therapist. And then I did a full two-year program. And I decided at the end of it, you know what? I want to call myself a life coach because, frankly, I get to be bossier and tell people what to do. <laughs> so what I see a life coach is, as opposed to a therapist where you just have to sit back and kind of go, uh-huh, uh-huh, and how do you feel about that? With a life coach, you kind of go, well, let's, you know, let's set some goals and let's try to achieve those goals. So how are we going to work towards those goals? You know, what is it that you want to accomplish? And most of the people who connect with me are drawn to me via my writing for Forbes. So they are people who are interested in finding a career that has that is more purpose-driven, you know, that is more aligned with their passion. So like, let's say they could be very successful, you know, bankers or, you know, they, they, they're, they're high, high achievers, but yeah. they're just not doing what they really wish to, you know, they're not pursuing their dreams. And so, you know, that's what we kind of try and set out to accomplish together. Yeah. Have you a word of people listening in now? I think a word of advice, if you have a goal in your mind, some people they just go for it. Is that, is that the, I the do. advice? You know, you know, I mean, there is just go for it. Sure. If you can, but you know, that's not really the, uh, the optimal way for like, let's say for example, you're supporting a family, right? Like I've got two young children now. They're being dragged all over Ireland to historical sites with us. They're seven year old twin boys. <laughs> oh. So, you From know, one parent of twins to another, I know you're paying. <laughs> Oh, you're a parent of twins too. That's yeah. fabulous. <laughs> so what I tell people is, look, it's not always going to be that. You know, it's not always just kind of quit cold turkey and go for it, right? That's not always reasonable. What you can do is everyone, no matter how busy you are, even if you're a parent, even if you have a full-time job, you can set aside an hour a day to follow your dreams. You can. You can put that time aside and you can do it. And um, I, for one, will tell you that uh, a successful tactic for me in doing more of my own personal writing is I quit Facebook and social media. And you know what? Bingo. There's an hour a day right there. So you can find ways. Mm -hmm. There's 24 hours in a day and you just need one of them. That's right. That's right. You don't always have to do this, you know, kind of radical leaping off the cliff's edge. Although some people do, and that's great too. (laughs) And I tell people there's no such thing as failure. You know, you learn something. Deferred success or something like that, yeah. (laughs) Or just life lessons. 
<laughs> Did you say your husband's name is Kiran? Yes. Isn't that funny? That's an Irish name. It is. I know. He's been getting that his entire life. Trust and he's and he York. was born in There's Hyderabad. No lack of Irish people. He was born in Hyderabad. It's, it's an. It's You're an more Indian Irish. Name. Th- <coughs> it's K I R A N. It's an Indian name that also happens to be a perfect Irish name. <laughs> Listen, it's so it's so lovely to talk to you, May May. And, and chat and we can spend the rest of the, the day welcome on your first visit to Cork and because we're huge supporters and friends of Maureen Forrest and the Hope Foundation here thank you for everything that you've done for our wonderful Cork charity well thank you for supporting them they're just fabulous and having been in person twice myself I can speak to the fact that the money is going straight to those children and right where it needs to go so that's why I love them May anyway, Fox enjoy your stay in Ireland thank you Little bit of a breaking story here. Uh, a few days ago, I was talking to Natalia uh, about Rock to Recovery, and they were going to try to climb um, Caron Tuhill three times in 24 hours or something like that anyway. Um, and I was kind of saying, no, you're never going to manage that. But they did. Paul Sampson, you did it. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? And it was actually Good. 15 hours, not 24. 15? 15 hours. How the heck did you do that? Did you grow wings or something? <laughs> no, it was just just because of the fact you said we wouldn't be able to achieve it. We thought we would. <laughs> so you gave us more inspiration than anything. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it, was, it was a phenomenal task, and um, we did it with just minutes to spare. Um, and I've been, in, I've been to Ireland many times as a rugby player. Right. And I've not, right. Not, not too often I've come away with a victory, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this one. And, I'm Who did you play with? I was a London Wasps many years ago. Oh, yeah, we've, we've sent you guys home packing a few times, all right. I think you probably did, but... We're thrilled with what we achieved. But, yeah, and so you should. Even even Pat Falvey, who, you know, the great explorer, said that it takes about seven hours to do Caron Tool up and down. How on earth did you do it in three times in 15? Um, well, we're not too sure. We just, you know, it's... I'm brand new to anything like this, hiking, um, mountaineering. Um, I don't know, uh, Mike just kept us going and we didn't rest too long. It was the hardest thing was stopping and then trying to get going again. So we're very keen to keep, you know, keep moving. Uh, the support we had at the bottom um, was, was phenomenal from Mike's family and um, physio and ice and refreshments. All the right stuff, even even bikes to keep the legs moving. So, and then, yeah, and then a good so, sleep, I suspect. Well, I mean, I was I was so so sore. I mean, I don't generally do any running, um, but we had to run. We had to run on some of the downhill phase, some of the uh, the, the, the flatter parts. Yeah. Um, because of my injuries that I've sustained during rugby, I don't do any running at home. So we, yeah, but it's, I'm feeling it today. Everything is good. Well, listen, con- con- congratulations. I just wanted to catch up. Once again, it happens from time to time. I've been proved wrong. Um, but thank you very much, Paul Sampson, um, part of Rock to Recovery. They've done it. Caron Tool three times in 15 hours. Right, Wayne, let that song go for me, that clip. That's Kaleiko. And one of the members of Kaleiko, Tiger Hegarty, joins me. Hey, Tiger. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you. Now, that's a decent new song you've got out, but I want to talk more about, with a name like, and you're a British group, 
ha- with a name like Hegarty, you've got to have a Cork connection. Of course, of course. Tell me more. So, um, my nan and granddad were both originally uh, Northsiders. Uh, my granddad was from Cathedral Road, and my nan was from Blackpool. Um, they run a well-known fish shop uh, on the North Main Street in the late 40s, early 50s, uh, which is called mm. Chassis. Yes! Um, um, yeah, you know Patrassi's? Well, I've heard of it, yeah. Patrassi was a fairly oh. common name around Cork for years. There was a great jazz There was a great jazz guy called Marco Patrassi. Marco is my my uh, grandma's brother. Ah, get off the stage. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, you you yep. were born in London, but you come back here frequently enough, yeah? Yes, yeah, yeah. I've got loads of family here. Um, one of my cousins is Mark Ring, who's the donkey man at uh, Sir Henry's. I can't have to... Ah, come here to me. You're one of our own, Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> I used to play... Uh, I used to play in Henry's, and I remember the donkey man. Really? Yes. That's amazing. Oh, That's this crazy. is getting... This is this is crazy. So tell me about the band, then. Who's in it? So um, we're a five-piece girl band from the UK. Uh, we consist of five members, Angel, Julie, Izzy, uh, Chloe, and myself. Um, we formed in lockdown... So we're a lockdown band. Uh, we connected through Instagram uh, with some help from our manager. And we just started writing music. Uh, we mainly make pop R&B music. And our, mm. uh, the, our audience is families and children because we feel like there isn't, there isn't enough music for the kids. There isn't enough real music uh, for mm. kids. So but we want to be that, that new girl band to uh, take over the world. Well, that's the new song, Out of My Life. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know how you take it when I hear Shades of Sugar Babes in there. That's, I, I would like to think that's a compliment. Yes, that's a huge compliment. They're actually going back together. They're going on tour. It, who knows? You might play support. Maybe. I would love that. <laughs> so you're home in Cork. For, I say home. You're from London, but you're, you're, in, you're home. You're one of ours. You're, you're around for a while. Is it a holiday or a promotional trip or what? So I'm here to see my family um, and I'm here to do uh, kind of be the Calico ambassador in Ireland um, for the new single. So uh, yeah, if you guys like to check it out, it's called Out of My Life. We just released a music video uh, on the 27th, so literally three days ago, um, which is going really well. Uh, But yeah, it's really nice to be back. It's really nice to see my family. It's really nice to uh, obviously be on this radio station, 9 to 6. It's so exciting. Mm. You contacted me a couple of weeks ago and I thought it was a stalker on Instagram. I said, what the hell is that? <laughs> no, I can assure you I'm not, I'm not a bot or a stalker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a but, listen, it's great to chat to you and the, the connections like to Marco Trezzi and the Donkey Man, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Cork. Uh, best of luck with everything it's a it's a lovely tune it's a really nice single and it is very very like Sugar Babes I hope that you yeah. get the breakthrough that and you know who knows the next time we talk you could be doing something like Live with the Marquee yes oh I would lo- I would absolutely love that I would I'm hoping to bring the girls back so I I want to I want to go back to London obviously everything is so chaotic and busy right now we've got a member who's just flew to Spain to do some interviews out there and um, we've got another member who's going to be heading into Scotland to do some interviews out there so um we're all kind of all over the place at the moment but when when uh, I think hoping in the next few months I'm going to try and bring all the girls here we're actually planning a schools tour 
for September, uh, where we are going to be visiting schools around the UK and Ireland. So if anybody wants us to come visit their school, uh, drop us an Instagram DM at Calico Music, C-A-L-Y-C-O Music, and we will try and schedule your school into our tour. Fantastic. And we will talk again. I have no doubt about it. Good luck with everything. If the, if, if the rest of the music is as good as that one, I think you're up for t- something big in the future. The Tiger Hegarty from Calico, the single called Out of My Life, and it's, and it's out now. And the connections to Cork are just phenomenal. Thanks for that, Tiger. You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.